Man, go ahead, have a seat. Uh, if you came today ready to give, you can drop your envelope in the box that's right by the welcome table. Uh, or if you want to give digitally, you can scan the QR code that's on your bulletin. Uh, that'll take you to our website where you can give securely with your card, all that business. Uh, so today we are starting a new series. It's called Jesus Shows Us the Way. Uh, and the reason that we're doing it is because where we are going through the book of John right now, uh, Jesus's mood with his disciples changes. It goes uh, from him talking about what we consider our house rule the four things that are most important to us, uh, that we have a relationship with Jesus because of everything that he's done, nothing that we've done. Two, that Jesus is the only way to a relationship with God. Three, because the Holy Spirit is what lives inside of you and me and makes us different. And four, that as those changes take root, they're going to be reflected in our love for people who have no clue about Mountain View Sunnyside, who do not care what happens here. That's how we demonstrate our love for God is by loving people who don't even know about God. Those are our four house rules. And after that, section, his mood changes with his disciples. It goes from that thing to basically three chapters explaining what we just sang about, that there is another in the fire, that we are walking into a fire, his guys specifically, us in our own way. And through that, we know that God's going to be with us. The timing for this wraps up perfectly because as you know, we're living in the middle of a global pandemic an economic crazy fest, uh, racial unrest everywhere, and a super polarizing presidential election all at the same time. So what do we need more of? We need more of reminding that one, this isn't God's first pandemic, racial unrest, presidential election, or economic meltdown. This isn't his first at all, but instead he's got good things that he wants to lead us through. He wants to live out for us in fresh ways that are going to hit us and, and melt our hearts around the fact that we're not alone, around the fact that there is and there always will be another in the fire. And so we're going to look at what Jesus says today, uh, starting in John 14, verse 27. You can go there in your Bible or your app. Uh, that's where we'll be for the rest of the morning, for, uh, 27 to 31. And we're going to see that the first thing that Jesus has for us, the first ingredient that we need, the first thing we need in our toolbox as we're going through life following him is we need peace. The reason for that is because all of us know, we've, we've seen the effects of this, the decisions that people make in life when they have absolutely no peace. You think about that, the worst decisions that you've made, the, the biggest catastrophes and disaster in your life probably came from a point in your life where you had no peace, where you're making decisions on panic, on fear and anxiety, on stress. And all those things are the result of no peace. The past two weekends, I have uh, found myself not by, yeah, okay, I chose these, but not for fun, but working in the attic, okay? The attic is where Fresno people go to realize how nice it is inside, okay? Because there are a number of things in the attic that just extract peace from us. The first one, if you've ever been in an attic or you open a little crawl space in your attic, is you realize it is about 40 degrees worse up there than it is in our houses. And we hate the temperature of our houses. That's why we have air conditioning and whole house fans and all that stuff. We tried to get away from what is up there as much as possible. So that's the first thing that robs peace is 140 degrees. You get up in your attic and the next thing you realize is there is no space anywhere. So not only are you hot and uncomfortable, now you can't move. I'm not huge, but I'm bigger than my attic. And so are all of you. So you get there and you have this person who's really like sweating through all of their clothes, which may have happened last Friday, who can't move. Like you move this much and you hit the studs, which whenever anybody hits me, they're already hitting a stud. Next question. So you're hot, not the hot you want to be. You can't move. And if you're going to communicate with anybody who's downstairs, you can't talk normally. 
No, there is a wall and there is an insulation that makes sure what happens in the attic stays in the attic. So you're angry and hot, you can't move, and you have to scream to communicate anything. You see this person on the street and there's gonna be a black and white car with red and blue lights on top following them. They're angry, they're yelling, they can't move, and they're the wrong kind of hot. Like that's no peace. On top of that, if it's not that bad enough, okay, because you can't move, you're hot, what is the, oh, you're screaming? As soon as you stand up, because again, I'm not that tall, but I'm taller than my attic. As soon as you stand up, there are these little reminders that come down from the roof telling you, you should not have stood up. They are nails that go into your head. And for most of you, they just kind of blend in. For me, I was shaving this morning and I've got one red dot that's always been there. I don't remember why it is. Uh, but next to it, I have another dot that showed up this morning. I'm like, I know exactly where you came from because yesterday I was in the attic and I stood up and and I got the bam, you shouldn't have done that. <laughs> the attic is where there is no peace whatsoever. And so Jesus comes into our life to say, you're gonna have attic moments in your life. And I'm gonna show you how to get through them. I'm gonna show you how to grow through them. And so that's what we're gonna look at today. The first thing that we need to know from Jesus as he's gonna lead us through this season of absolute insanity is that we need peace. And Jesus loves you and he commands you to live with peace. That sounds like a contradiction. Let me explain. Verse 27, Jesus says, I am leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. I love it. He starts out with such good things. I'm going to give you peace. And then he ends with a command. And I think the first time I read this, like I got the picture of macho Jesus, you know, he's like, you just need to have peace. Don't be worried, baby man. Just have peace and do more peace. If you worry, you're doing life wrong and you need to come back. And that's not why Jesus says that. It's not how Jesus says that. For one, Jesus wasn't German. <laughs> Next thing is Jesus tells us we need to have peace because he knows exactly what's coming. For the guys who heard him that night, uh, they, they're sitting with God with skin on. They're sitting with the guy who can water ski without a boat. They're sitting with the guy who walks into hospitals and tells everybody, all right, we're leaving. Detach yourself. You've been healed. Let's walk out. And it actually happens. They look at Jesus at that moment and they're probably thinking, yeah, have peace, but we don't need peace. We have you. And Jesus says, no, I'm telling this because you're going to need this in the future. You're going to need this because we all know what it is to live without peace. And so Jesus commands us to live with peace because he's sharing his peace with us. He's sharing his peace with us. We can claim that. We can't actually do it. Jesus can do it. And Jesus has authority over everything, and that allows us to live with peace. So we just read 27. It would make sense to read 28, but we're going to read 29 and then go back to 28 because I think 29 explains 28, and I have the microphone. So there you go. Verse 29, I have told you these things. He's saying, there's, there's a reason why I'm telling you that you need to live with peace. This is what it is. I have told you these things before they happen. So when they do happen, you will believe. He's saying, this is the reason why I'm going to tell you. It's because it's built on something more than you should just do this. Verse 28 says, remember what I told you. This is why I'm telling you this. This is why you need peace is because there's going to be something to remember. Remember what I've told you. I'm going away, but I will come back to you again. And if you really loved me, you would be happy that I'm going to the Father who is greater than I am. Jesus is laying out, speaking in code, but other times he says it totally clearly. He said, I'm about to die. And then I'm going to rise from the dead three days later. And as scared as you are and as upset as you're going to be, it's going to be good that this happens. 
And the reason is because God has a pattern of taking the worst possible thing to create the best possible answer, uh, outcome. That's Jesus going to the cross. It's, it's the most perfect person to ever live, the only person to ever live who was betrayed, who was tortured, who was killed a death that he didn't need to die by justice, but he needed to die in order to bring us into a relationship with God. It's God's perfect justice rolled out through the life of Jesus. It's the worst possible thing to bring about the best possible outcome because without God's work through Jesus, we're still stuck in our sins. So God used Jesus's death to bring a, a, a world of people to himself. And Jesus is saying, this might look bad at the beginning, but it's gonna get good. All right, so today is October 11th. We're outside. First service, we had organic air conditioning. We have, now we have an organic heater because that's what October does. <laughs> now, a long time ago, we stopped saying what date we're gonna be inside because every date that we've given has been wrong, like unanimously. That's the only consistent thing is dates have been wrong. The last date we got from the contractor about when completion was gonna happen and we were gonna be inside was a month ago. And then on August 2nd, we got broken into. And the flood from that knocked everything back months. And so that, there's been a thing that sat in some of our hearts, just like, why is this happening? Why are we still here? Why aren't we there? Uh, and so we've done a lot. We've tried to shore up things that are weak and tried to make sure that that never happens again. We never want to be in the place where we're outside sweating to death because it's windy and hot and cold all on the same Sunday. <laughs> So we were here earlier this week uh, and I was driving around and I saw on the corner that the fence that we like lodged up against the brick wall so nobody can get in had been pulled back and somebody had gotten in and moved a bunch of trash and stuff onto our property. And I'm not as holy as you are, so that really made me mad. And so I decided I'm going over there, I'm grabbing everything, I'm throwing it away, not on my house, not in my place, this is not happening. And so I get over there and I see some of the stuff moving. I'm like, oh crap, it's some guy, I'm gonna have to yell at him. I don't know how to fight, so I'll just tell them what to do. Um, and then I see a head pop up and there's a bun on top of it. I'm like, man, it's a man bun, this is even worse. And then I see it's a woman's face. And all of a sudden everything changed. Because you can't do that to a woman. And I see that, that she's got some marks on her that say that this isn't her first time camping out at somebody's property. And what I felt like God saying to me in that moment is I know you hate break-ins, but I'm on a mission to reach people here. So you're going to roll with it and you're going to deal with it. So I'm like, all right, you're in charge. You already used the worst possible thing in history to bring about the best possible outcome. And that's what it's going to mean for us to be here. Is that we're going to live in the midst of a place where people think it's better to go trash a church to get a little bit of copper pipe than to deal with addiction because there's not a space in their life for that. And we're here to make sure that that space exists and to push people towards Jesus. The type of people who do not care about what happens here except that there's copper pipe. This is where we want to be because God has a pattern and a history and a future of taking the worst possible thing to bring about the best possible outcome because he has authority over everything. And that allows us to live with peace. And this even works, not when we're the hero, but when we're actually the problem, which is, if we're all honest for a quarter of a second, happens way more than we get to be self-righteous person who gets to say nice things on Sunday. We get to be the problem and Jesus comes in and Jesus brings freedom because Jesus destroys the work of the devil and he gives us peace. 
Verse 30 is closing up with this guy. He says, I don't have much more time to talk to you because the ruler of this world approaches. He has no power over me, but I will do what the father requires of me so that the world will know that I love the father. Come, let's be going. There's three things there where Jesus demonstrates uh, his, his ability to destroy the work of the devil. The first one is that he says the devil has no power over him. That's because there's no sin in Jesus's life. There's nothing that can be said against him. There's no repentance that needs to happen. There's no guilt in him. He is perfection. He is God with skin on, absolutely holy all the time, which means that when Jesus goes to the cross, it's 100% his decision. It's 100% his momentum. Verse 31, he says, but I will do what the Father requires of me so that the world will know that I love the Father. That means that the cross, that Jesus' death in our place wasn't him being at the wrong place at the wrong time. This was his decision and his mission to give his life as a ransom for people like you and me. And the last thing he says is, come, let's be going. This is active obedience on Jesus' path toward the cross. He's saying, this is what's happening. I'm going to lay my life down. And as a symbol of a reminder of the fact that this is all me, this is all my decision, nothing in Jesus's body was broken as he gave his life for you and me. It's something that was foretold hundreds of years before that when Jesus died like a criminal, that there'd be no broken bones in it because there's never a point where Jesus gets beaten. Jesus allows himself, allows his life to be taken from him so that we could experience life Why? Because he destroys the work of the devil to give us peace. Peace that he commands of us. Peace that he says will be with you as you walk through the fire. So how? How do we get there? How does that become part of us? Because none of us here sitting would say, you know what? I don't really want that. All of us want that, but we're in a place of saying, okay, how do we get that into here, off of here and into here? And the first thing is we begin a growing relationship with Jesus. We begin a growing relationship with Jesus. You know, this is anything other than, this is everything beyond just the get out of hell free card. You know, this is the place where God moves in and God takes control of our life because we've surrendered everything to him. And then God begins to lay out for all of us who have decided to follow Jesus, what that everything looks like for the rest of our life. He says, all right, I want, I want control of your emotions because I'm going to give you peace. I want control of the way that you do things because your peace now comes from me. And so you're going to do life totally differently. You're not going to get stuck in the way that you used to live. Regeneration is our church's recovery program. It meets on Tuesday nights uh, at 6.30 and there's good cookies that they give you afterwards. I know because I'm there. Uh, And one of our memory verses a few weeks ago was, was a verse, uh, a really long one. So we had like a really long bookmark to memorize it um, that talks about the effects of Jesus in our life. And it says, uh, but the fruit of the spirit produces these kind of things in our life. It's love, it's joy. And then the third one is peace. He says, as Jesus moves into your life, one of the things that's gonna happen is that you're gonna experience a peace that you do not already have. And I think we spin that around and it's one of those things that stares us in the face and reminds us of the fact that if you and I are living without peace, that's a question for us. God, do I have you in my life? Are you there or am I doing life on my own? Do I need to get right with Jesus? And if you're here today and you've never asked Jesus to come into your life and to forgive you of your sins, and to experience the filling of the Holy Spirit, which gives us peace, then today's your day to do that. And today's your day to to admit to God, I need you in my life because I'm broken. And as we close today, we'll give you a chance to do that. 
Second thing, so we begin a relationship with Jesus. Next thing is we make room for God's peace in our life. That means that things in our life need to leave. Jesus says, I'm, I'm leaving you with a gift. And for all of us, when we get gifts, we need a place to put those gifts. So when we bought the building two years ago, there was this old junky, bad sounding, dust collecting organ uh, that our realtor who helped us get in here, he looked at it and said, you know what? I really like that. I want that to be my payment. So instead of 6% of the cost of the building, just give me the organ. The only problem is the organ is heavier than my extended family all combined. <laughs> so I convinced Tim and Garza that they've done something wrong in life and they need to help me move the organ because they... And so we lifted the thing into a truck and drove it across town because our realtor really wanted this thing. And I'm hoping this guy has a ginormous house because this thing is massive. Uh, and so we, we barely get into the truck. We drive across town. Uh, we get to the truck. We put it down and start walking to this house. And it is tiny. And I'm thinking, maybe we can throw it away here and just dump it in the dumpster, peel out, drive away, and everything's going to be better. And then we walk, like, we barely get it through his gate. We get it to the door. We open up the door. You know what do we do? We need to make room for God to come into our life, okay? We need to get rid of, of junk so that we can experience God's peace. We need to create an area for God's peace to dwell in our lives. We open the door, and there's this huge, massive space of nothing. It's like, that's where the organ's going. There's a place for the organ. It's a small house. It's a huge organ that's going into this house. Barely like we got to wax the size of it just to get it through the door. And then as soon as it gets in, you know exactly where it goes because there's tons of space. For us, there are things in our lives that rob us of peace. It's comparison. It's anger. It's anxiety. It's fear. For all of us, we have those things. Our things are different. Your things might not be my things, but our things are definitely ours to own and to fight. And for us to experience God's peace, that means that we need to take things out of our lives so that God can move in. And as we do that, God leaves, leads us in experiencing his peace, which means we love God with every part of our lives. We give ourselves to Jesus, say, okay, I'm yours. What do you want to do with me? And God begins to put his finger on areas where he's going to lead us to more peace. One of those things is baptism is if you're here, you're out of junior high, you're a follower of Jesus, then I'd love for you to get baptized on the second Sunday of November. Why November? Because on the second Sunday of every month, we want to have a baptism. We're going to have people who stand up and say, this is what Jesus has done for me. I'm getting baptized in front of my church because they know me and we both agree that Jesus is our savior and you get baptized at church. If you're here and that's you, you're out of junior high, you're ready to get baptized, uh, Pastor Aaron is going to be at the table after service and he'd love to get your information and set up a meeting with you to get you on the path to get baptized here as a testimony of the fact that Jesus has saved you from sins. The next thing is to start tithing, right? We talked about this a little bit last week, that, that when God moves into our life, everything becomes his, including how we spend money. And tithing is a first response for us back to God. He has saved us from our sins. And in response, we give to him what he's already generously given to us financially. We give to, to empower God's work around the world at, for people to meet Jesus. We give the first 10% that comes in and we trust God to stretch the 90% to meet all of our needs because he is our provider. Another area where we love God with every part of our lives is serving here at church. God's house is the same as your house. When somebody is like a baby and an infant and can't take care of themselves, they have no chores. As you grow up, you get chores. And for us, growing in our maturity in Jesus means that we have chores. When we move in in X amount of weeks, because every date that I've said has been wrong, when we move in in some weeks, 
all of our needs for what we need for people to do on Sunday to make this place awesome and make this place effective is going to go through the roof because everything that we've done up to this point can't be done any longer. It's going to be better, but it's going to be better because people like you jump in and say, okay, I'm in. If you can see anything around here, anything, man, I'd like to help with that, but it looks like they have too many people. We are a few weeks from having definitely not enough people. And so again, head to the table afterwards and say, I would love to help with insert thing here. If you see it, yes, we need more help with it. Uh, And that's a great place for us to be. Another idea is loving God with every part of our life means that we move beyond the things that we look at on a daily daily basis and say, I should stop doing that. We look at the things that we battle with and don't want part of our life. And we've said, I should for years and years. And this is a time for us to put our heel down and say, this is not happening anymore. Pivot and go a different direction. It's repentance. It's us taking our life as it is and saying, okay, God, I don't want it to be this way anymore. I want it to change. I want you to take over and for you to move beyond where I am. That's loving God with every part of our life. Next thing is we pray about everything because prayer leads to peace. We pray about everything because prayer leads to peace. There's a guy who lived after the time of Jesus who had so many things to be concerned about that he says this and it's perfect. He wraps it up perfectly. He says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all you have done, for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. And I've said a million different things about prayer. And one of those things is as we pray, we experience God's peace. We give God our prayers. We receive from him his peace and his power and his activity. And the last thing is we love others as we love ourselves. We know this is true. Because relationships are one of those things that keep us up. Or relationships are one of those things that ruin our day. You see someone and all of a sudden there's a reaction in your heart. Either us wanting to hide or us wanting them to disappear because we no longer want them in our life. Church, we're a people who have been ridiculously forgiven by God. And he didn't just do that to pad his stats to say, hey, here's a group of people that have freed from addiction and bitterness and this thing and that thing and that thing. He didn't just do it for that. He did it so we could live out God's forgiveness through the rest of the world for people who have no clue who Jesus is, but they know us. And they know us as the most forgiving people that they know. They know us who are people who who aren't too proud that when we mess up, we never ask for forgiveness because you're weak if you ask for forgiveness. We understand that God has forgiven us richly so that we can be forgiving for other people. And yeah, you know what that costs? That comes at a price. Because forgiveness sometimes hurts. It hurts because of things that have been done to us and things that we want to hold on to and never let people escape from. That hurts because we're giving up control over people's lives and giving up control about how we feel about them. We're surrendering our feelings for God's feelings about them. Or for the people who need to ask for forgiveness, we're surrendering our reputation, we're surrendering our pride, we're surrendering us looking like we're in charge. And we're going to other people and we're saying, can you forgive me because of insert thing here? And when that happens, we find peace. We find humility. We find life because we're loving others as we love ourselves. And the the final thing, the final way we do that is we tell people about Jesus. We tell people that the, the world is broken and that we're part of that brokenness and that Jesus came to heal broken people. 
He came to forgive sinners, and that's us. That's me. That's you. And there's hope. There's peace in Jesus. And he says this to us, and he demonstrates us, demonstrates that to us as we walk through a world that has gone absolutely crazy. He says, in me, you're going to find peace. In me, you're going to find forgiveness. In me, you're going to find new life. And it will be better than anything else you have ever experienced in your life. So he invites us into his peace. He invites us into relationship. He invites us into us doing life on his terms for his glory because we are his people. Let's stand and pray.